G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. An economic slowdown is widely expected in the Australian business community. And how do you know that? Interest rates expected to rise again tomorrow. Mortgage stress increases with that. Winter energy costs soaring. And the end of the fuel excise holiday is just around the corner. And many households may have no choice but to cut back on the sorts of discretionary spending that keeps many of our small businesses afloat. Well, we're talking today about small business and asking if there is biblical kingdom wisdom in navigating tough times. Wes Hone is the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits. He's a leading faith in business thinker teaching Christian entrepreneurs how biblical principles apply to the marketplace so they can build highly profitable businesses as well as influence the world around them. Wes Hone, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. It's so good to be back with you. You know, I can't help but think, Wes, and I was going through some notes. Last time we were talking, and this is, I think, uh, the pandemic had really started to bite. And people were anticipating hard times then. And our conversation was preparing for a coming boom. And in fact, your predictions were right. We have had in so many small businesses. Now, there's some going to disagree and say, hey, we were really hurt in the pandemic. But by and large, if you look at the statistics, there's been a significant boom time in Australia. So your predictions were right then. Uh, now we're talking about the possibility of some tough times coming. I've uh, mentioned a few things there in the introduction. What are your reactions to the sort of things, that, you know, interest rate rising, uh, pressure on mortgages, discretional spending going down? It's going to affect some small businesses, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're 100% right with, with what you said. All of those things are real uh, and they will kind of bite to a degree. I think the thing to remember, though, is that there's more opportunity in a down market than there ever is in an up market, if you can spot it. So I think our baseline needs to be not one of fear, not one of pulling back, maybe maybe just opening our eyes a little bit more to the opportunities. So, so those things you said are real, and we have to juggle those. But if we just zoom out of our own little world a minute, there's a lot of opportunity. And you know, if you just take the concept of the transfer of wealth... Outside of war, that typically happens uh, in a down economy. So we just ha- we just kind of have to be looking around for a lot more opportunity, and it's everywhere. So if you're picking up something as a key for our conversation today, uh, your attitude to what's happening is going to be one of the most powerful things because the way you look at the circumstances, and even as uh, me being the pessimist, I guess, in that sense, in that introduction, says things are looking tough, get ready for tough times, you're saying your attitude to those is going to be everything. Totally, it will be. And and, and I want to validate what you said, like there will be mortgage stress um, for some people. Um, and then, you know, for them, they probably have to look at like, well, well, did I overspend? Did I overcommit? Did I, did I, 
you know, did, did I buy something I couldn't afford? Um, you know, the fuel excise holiday that's going to finish, that's a real issue. Um, so all of that needs to be managed. Um, but as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, like this is where we come alive these times. You know, um, th- this is this is typically when when we should be out shopping for what I would call distressed assets. You know, like th- there there will be there will be assets that come available, whether they be businesses or or you know or web stores or e commerce businesses or real estate or stocks or however you want to do it. There will be uh, assets that you'll be able to buy under value. I imagine that given that we've come from, you know, and again, just qualifying that as some levels of boom time because so much money, government money, has flooded the marketplace. People have been spending and that's what's been a very good thing for some businesses. Uh, You might be regretful if you haven't set aside a few dollars or prepared yourself for a bit of a downturn that might be coming. Uh, That would be something that you would have wanted to work with wisely while things were looking really good for you. I mean, I remember 2008 when the GFC hit. I had just started um, this business that I'm in now nine months before it. So I had that luxury of missing out on that one. And then we have been telling our clients from 2009, get ready because there's one. there'll be one coming. And if you miss the last one, you should not miss this one. And there'll be some people that miss this one. Uh, I also just want to kind of lay that foundation of the, like, the government printing that much money is a problem. So, so we, I think we need to compartmentalize it a little bit. There is at-home stress on finances. There is opportunity. But actually, all of this has come about due to the government completely printing far too much money. So, so it's not necessarily good or bad. I guess I'm just saying that there is opportunity regardless of the fact that it may have come from bad policy. Just to pick up on some context here too, because if we are approaching some hard economic times uh, for individuals... You don't need to have what might be a looming recession or uh, something about to go wrong in the economy because you could be hit at any point by illness or personal tragedy. So for the Christian believer, this is just another extra dimension that you are on the lookout for because you're ready for some hard times as a person of faith, uh, even though uh, things might go badly wrong. A hundred percent. And and there are some things that we can do individually to... Um to mitigate some of those things coming against us. And they are making investments. And the first place you invest is yourself. Like, you know, like you can invest so that you have more skills and you should always be investing in yourself so that you can add more value to society because then you'll get rewarded more. But then, of course, you can make some investments into, you know, assets and things like that. And then when when those times come, if those times come, then, of course, you've got something to fall back on in terms of possibly passive income or new ways of making money. I know there'll be some business people who are looking for some keys, some wisdom in being able to navigate these times ahead. I wonder if we can talk about, Wes, the thought that you might get a reading on the economic environment for your individual business, because it's very easy, isn't it, to generalise and say uh, business, small business right across the board. But everyone listening to us, they've got their own personal context, uh, whether they're in retail or they're some sort of service industry provider. You've got to be able to read the market in your own business. You definitely do. Um, but outside of being able to read the market, there are, there are things that are 100% controllable. So, so for example, you, know, you may find that your industry actually dips during these next few years. 
but but you can increase your conversion rate of customers leads to prospects you, you can you can get your customers to come back 10 10% more you know you can you can put your prices up you can you can bundle products together and sell more so i i just i think that yes there are some ups and downs and pockets but there is so much that's controllable by us that at small business level, we are insulated against a lot of the problems because we can say, okay, I'll start another sideline business at the same time to make up for the revenue I may lose in my core business. We can add products and services at the drop of a hat, right? We have that luxury of being a small business and being that agile. So yes, there'll be pockets that are up and down, but we have way more control over our own destiny than any market force does. As a Christian believer, sometimes we talk about what does this faith dimension add to us? That the competitor down the street who uh, is godless, perhaps they're running a sort of a secularized business, they're doing their thing and, uh, you know, it is a dog-eat-dog world. They're doing things that they're preparing for. What about this faith dimension, Wes? Does it make a difference to us when we're actually in business? And I think this is the real juice, right? So all the other stuff has been kind of practical and, and things like that. But this is where we get our unfair advantage. And I think if ever we need to be reminded to build that intimacy with the Lord, it's during these times. It's when, when, when the market's a bit shaky and we're a little bit unsure. This is where our intimacy muscle needs to be developed. So you take David. Da- David said, you know, God, you are my rock and my refuge. You are my hiding place. That's how he knew what to do because he always leaned in to the Lord. And so we can do the same right now. So the way that I would be making my decisions on what I do next is I'd be spending a lot more time, quiet time with the Lord, taking communion one-on-one, like just, just spending that time inquiring of the Lord, what do I do here? Where, what's the secret garden path? Show me, show me visions, show me dreams, show me ideas. What do you think I should do? And I think if we were to essentially just lay our business out on the altar and say, Lord, shape it, show me, then he will. And and I, I find that those people, they get insulated against what goes on because they're not operating in a worldly economy. They're operating under God's economy, which prospers day and night, winter, recession, summer, whatever you want to do. And if you are in business right now, uh, it's different being in business if you are uh, being viable, even being successful, even flourishing when times are good and you're not necessarily anticipating things could get tough. But what do you you think it does to your faith when you are actually anticipating that things are going to get really difficult in the times ahead? Isn't this an easier time to be on your knees before God? Well, uh, yes, and I think you want to be ahead of the curve, (laughs) right, rather than chasing it when, you know, if your business is suffering, like because then your prayers will be out of desperation, right? Whereas if you were to just build that discipline now, I mean, it shouldn't be based on good times or bad times, right? It should be intimacy with the Lord regardless. But but I would say to you, you know, you know, ironically, um, the fact that our economists are saying we may go into recession tells us we probably won't because they've never picked one in the past. They're normally bad because they come out of nowhere. Um, but so so the fact that it, if, it, it, if it does happen, it'll be a slow progression. Now is the time to be like, okay, I'm unsure about my future. I don't know what it holds. I'm going to invest five times as much time on my knees with the Lord inquiring, what do I do next? Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
Our special guest is Wes Hone. He is the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits. And we're talking about what you might do if you're in small business when tough times might be on their way. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Wes, let's take a call from Mel in Queensland. Hi, Mel. Welcome. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. I've got two points to make. Um, Number one, um, here in Australia, we need to be reaching out to faith-based venture capitalists um, in the US, and I'm hoping perhaps maybe Wes's organisation may be able to assist with that. And number two, um, you know, I've lived and worked in a number of countries overseas, and um, in Australia, um, customer service is quite variable, the standards. And my encouragement to every organisation, every business here in Australia, is to invest in excellence in customer service. Thank you. Wonderful stuff, Mel. Let's tackle both of those if we can. First of all, uh, Mel and her thoughts on faith-based capital, uh, venture capital, and uh, coming out of the United States. Thoughts here, Wes? Yeah, I think it's a big area that's lacking and missing uh, across the body of Christ is access to VC money. Uh, it, it does exist. Um, th- there's a really um, significant player, uh, Sovereign's Capital, based out of the US. Uh, Kingdom Guy built a very large business, um, sold it, and just wants to see young tech startups kind of um, have a chance. So that's they're very encouraging. Um, one of the things that I would say, though, is that if I was raising capital, I wouldn't care where it came from. It would be my term sheet that decides what happens. I'll, I will happily plunder the devil and take, you know, ungodly money to build my business for influence. So, um, but just a side note, I am actually working with a few people on putting together a fund, but it's a long way off to be able to do this because it's um, it's such a long-term play uh, in this arena. But uh, But it is definitely an area of need and there are a handful of people working on it. The other one was uh, customer service, uh, the thought that excellence is going to be necessary for Christian businesses and maybe Christian businesses just need a reminder every now and then that customer service is important. Thoughts for Mel? I mean, it is marketing. It's one element of marketing that's really important, right? Like there's no point in spending a bunch of money on Facebook ads and Google ads if when you draw people to your business, they don't have a great experience. So it is a form of branding and marketing, which is important. And you know what's interesting about today? I agree with Mel. It doesn't take much to shine at the moment. It's, you know, across the board, everybody's the same plus or minus 5%. And so one of the exercises we get our clients to do is to almost audit their experience and say, okay, hypothetically, just for fun, let's say Jesus rang up your business and said he wanted to come and shop with you, you know, whatever. Would you, what would you do? for him that would be different for everybody else and and then kind of go all right well maybe that's not practical for everybody but what could you take from that list that you could then implement in your everyday and systemize it so that everybody gets that experience and then you'll find that you get the lion's share of the customers the referrals and the uplift in brand mel was that a helpful response yes thank you thank you (laughs) good work our our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might have your own scenario. Uh, you might have a question. You might have a comment. You might even have a critique for our conversation. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Talking Christians in small business, Wes. Uh, there's a thought, isn't there, that uh, there are two economies that work. 
whatever happens in this economy that we're doing our business in may be a completely different thing to what the Christian might anticipate working in an economy of God. Any thoughts here around this sort of uh, spiritual idea of economy? A hundred percent. Like we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay. So we, we are here. There, there is a worldly system at play economically and it's completely flawed. Um, and, and that's okay. But that's not how I'm called to operate, you know. And, and I think about Deuteronomy, like Deuteronomy kind of early on four, five, six, you know, there are a bunch of promises there. You know, one of them is, you know, you'll have houses you didn't build. You'll have wells you didn't dig. You'll have vines you didn't plant. Like that's a promise. Like, like, so that's not dependent on who's in power or who's not in power or whether we have labor or libs or they're just promises. Right. And so, and so for me, like my economy is not based on, uh, on our government. My economy is not based on things because like we said at the start, if you've got eyes to see opportunity and you're listening to the Lord, you'll be taken down paths that just don't make sense. And if I go back to 2008, when the GFC hit, we made um, decisions on investing on avenues for our business and and we prospered every single month from them forward regardless of what happened around us and so i say that out of testimony to say that there's there's always a ton of different ways that you can go and you can start to access things uh, outside of this world economy and and there has been wealth not only us but we've seen it across our clients for you know nearly 10 years They'll be pursuing one thing and the Lord will bring some blessing, prosperity, increase from completely left field. And it happens all the time. They might be chasing a business and then because of their faithfulness and their diligence, the Lord might bring some increase through property or another business or, or, or a competitor will call them and say, you can just have my company. Like, like that stuff, if you've got eyes to see it, is happening all the time everywhere. You're touching on some really slightly deeper stuff than a lot of people, I think, tend to think about. The spirituality of the business person and the sort of testimony that comes when something out of the blue happens, uh, when a particular door opens, when a new product or new opportunity presents itself, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this uh, will-I-won't-I decision-making and recognizing that so many things are presented and brought because God is bringing blessing on your business. Uh, when my ship comes in, I need to know when to unpack it. That sort of blessing on businesses. Uh, this spirituality, what are you finding, Wes? No doubt uh, Christians coming to a, a Kingdom Business Summit, they're probably coming with a thought, I need to develop this spirituality. But are you coming across people in the marketplace who've got, they're Christians, but they've got no idea of this extra dimension? There's lots of them. There's probably more of them, in my experience, than Christians who are all in with the Lord in business. Um, and it's a real shame. That's the whole reason why I get up every day to have these conversations to try and get more Christians in business to understand that, you know, it, cr- being a Christian in business is more than a Jesus fish on your business card. It is, it is seeing your business as your assignment and your calling, and it's seeing your business as you know, like your ministry and your pulpit and all those sort of things. And then, yes, I, I find that those people that go all in and seek first the kingdom in business get lots of things added unto them that don't necessarily make sense. The beauty of that is that then you don't get bragging rights to your own success. It's very humbling when you chase one avenue faithfully and diligently and the Lord brings blessing out of left field because even with the most amount of pride, you realize that you didn't do it. And so you have to stand in awe of the Lord, 
when that happens. Look what God has done. Hey, if you're being honest in your own business, uh, doing some sort of audit on your own business health right now, uh, and preparing for what might be tough times ahead. Uh, is this a time to prepare to change what isn't working? What sort of honesty is required to say this works and that doesn't? That's a really good question. I don't think it comes down to something external first. I think, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, did we give it a red hot go? You know, for example, I have people that come to me and say, I've been doing this business for three years and it's not going very well. And so I'll say, okay, that's great. So, so tell me, you know, what Google ads have you been running in the, well, I don't, okay, great. What Facebook ads have you been, well, we don't do, okay, so what are you doing in terms of, well, I don't do any network. Well, you haven't given it a red hot go. We can't then just say, well, the Lord's closed the door on a business that you didn't give a red hot go. So the only barometer for me is, did I give it everything? If I've given it everything in my power and, and there's no grace on it and there's no blessing, yeah, then sure. Let's pivot. Let's change. Let's start something else. Let's, let's mix it up. But I, I see a lot of people who are chopping and changing without giving it a red hot go themselves. When you say networking and uh, all of these sorts of ideas, uh, whether you're marketing on Facebook or Google AdWords or however that might be, when you're at a Kingdom Business Summit, and I mentioned there's one coming up, 28th, 29th and 30th of July, uh, potentially hundreds, let's hope thousands, uh, will turn out to your Brisbane uh, Kingdom Business Summit. The sort of networking that happens in between the sessions, is this something where you want to actually work with, uh, you want to encourage other Christian believers? Does that happen in the background? A hundred percent it does. There's a lot of business that gets done at our events. Um, a lot of people have partnered up and done joint ventures or used each other's services, whatever. We, we don't have a, an actual structure for that except creating a space for it. Um, but I find some are really proactive networkers and some not so much, and that's okay. We just create a space for people that want to network to go and find other people that want to network. Um, and then, of course, you know, they will just find their own way of working together. Uh, Wes, let's talk about some practical things if we can, because those who are listening into our conversation today, maybe they're actually doing business as we speak and thinking, well, you know, I can see there are some tough times ahead. Maybe I'll just keep on swimming in this direction and everything will be fine. Hey, I'm a Christian. Uh, what sort of strategies might you put in place, practical sorts of things that might even have a Christian dimension to them as to how you might navigate that way forward? Yeah, there, there, there are so many. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is we need to be across our financials in a really big way around these times. So we need to be looking at our profit and loss reports on more than a monthly basis. Uh, you know, we need to be looking at, you know, what what's the margins across our products uh, what what are we spending on, and and do we necessarily need it? And those sort of decisions, like, and and that's a lot of people do not like financials as a topic. Um, the problem is you have to if you if you want to be an entrepreneur. So so constantly looking at your financials, doing some benchmarking, and saying, okay, well, you know, what percentage of turnover are my cost of goods this month, and how does that compare to last month? You know, what what, what percentage is wages, and, and and do I need a better rostering system to to get my wages down a little bit so the, the kind of financial management strategies are really important uh, on the growing the business side you know like um, just spending more time with the customers and asking them to come back more often is one of the most overlooked strategies ever um, 
you know, another one is your conversion rate. Like, so if you get 10 leads coming in your business and you convert five of those into paying customers, why not build more value in your conversion process to get that to be six out of 10 or seven out of 10, spend more time answering questions, spend more time listening to the prospect, you know, send more reasons why your company's brilliant to them. And you'll find that, you you know, so, so you can imagine if, if the economy retracts 5%, but you get a 15% increase in conversion rate, none of that stuff matters because you're going to make up for more than that with these kind of business strategies. And, and they're for good times and bad, but, but maybe now is when people have the impetus to actually go and tackle them. So there's just a couple. One thing to talk about the customer, the client, uh, let's talk about the other end for a moment because I picked up uh, the thought that uh, our larger supermarket operators, uh, Coles and Woolworths, uh, they are settling on August the 1st for negotiated price rise requests from major suppliers uh, which apply to hundreds of household items. So they've got a system where prices won't rise until a certain designated time and we'll agree on that and then we'll renegotiate what sort of uh, supplier price is being sent. And we think of the big companies like, say, a Coles and a Woolworths doing that. But what about in a small business sense? What if you're a small operator, this thought of negotiating with your suppliers? Any thoughts here, Wes? It's hard at the moment to do that for a small business owner. You know, like like if, if you're using materials of any kind you'll take it at any price because you just can't get it. So um, that's one area of business, negotiating with suppliers that's incredibly tough in this environment, okay? Like if, you know, if you need subcontractors, they're not negotiating on their daily rate because they could, you know, they could they could sell their day 10 times over to different people. So that that's, that, that's quite a tough one to negotiate. But in terms of being able to pass the price on to customers, you know, the other thing to remember is, the average Aussie household has a lot more cash than they've ever had in history. And so you you can afford to be a slightly higher price today than you could have been 12 months ago and maybe significantly higher. So what I would say to somebody who can't necessarily get a win from their suppliers, I would say get a win from your customers because the more unique you are and the more value you bring, the less you compete on price. So you, you can afford to put your prices up if you're able to communicate what's great about you and actually solve a bigger problem than everybody else in your sector. Then you can be more expensive and get your margin that way. I imagine that honesty with your customers, this is where if you have a level of integrity in your Christian faith as a business person, you might actually be more inclined to be upfront and say this is the reason why the price has risen. Uh, any thoughts here on that sort of integrity and the thought that you might prepare your customers in advance for the fact that, yes, there are some price rises coming. This is the reason why the prices will rise. Any thoughts here? Definitely. Um, I'm I'm usually not a big fan of a carte blanche price rise to everybody unannounced. I don't think that that normally means that everybody hanging on the edge, they will just go somewhere else. One of the strategies that I really like is, and this requires a little bit more management, I guess, but is to have split pricing. So basically, you go back to your current customers and you say, thanks so much for for looking after us. We really appreciate you. You've been great. We will have a price rise in 90 days time or whatever. But for every new customer that comes in, they don't have the frame of reference that it used to be cheaper. So you just basically just from this moment forward, put a price rise in place. And then in 90 days, everybody lifts, um, but it's just a nicer way to go with a little bit of notice. Now, 
Ironically, you'll probably still lose the odd customer doing that way because they were probably going to leave anyway and find somebody else. But you, you know, if you put your prices up five percent and lose two customers, you're you're still well in front margin-wise than if you didn't put your prices up. So, um, so you could either do carte blanche or you can do, um, you know, you can do a, a everybody from this moment onward onwards gets an increase, and the customers that have supported you over the last couple of years, you could you could trickle feed an increase to them. You need courage in business when you're going through really tough times. Uh, this is something that we're aware of as Christian believers. In fact, you know, right from those youngest years, uh, we're taught about Joshua and taking the promised land and, you know, having courage. These sorts of things are important, not just for an old time Bible story, but this is important in the present time, Wes. Absolutely. And, and for me, I struggle to separate courage from faith, you know, like that they would have a slightly different meaning, but you could group them together pretty well. Um, so, you know, it's obviously impossible to please God without faith. And so I, I think it's almost impossible to please God without that courage, um, because because it, I guess it comes down to where is our allegiance? If our allegiance is to the Lord and his kingdom, well, we wouldn't be put off with the here and now, for we would just do it anyway. And if our allegiance is to us and our own ability and our own self-interest, then of course, courage is going to be hard because we're going to be weighing everything up for short-term gain. When our allegiance is to the Lord, we get such a wonderful, rich vision of the future and, and the business we're going to build and the lives we're going to impact, that courage just becomes a very easy byproduct of having that sharp vision. You know, he says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. So as long as we feel like it's, you know, the Lord's will for us to take a step, we should be given it a hundred percent and not look back because we don't do it on our own. Um, and, and, and my own experience, um, is that I have found that God makes up for my foolishness when I'm not quite getting it a hundred percent right. So I might step into something with boldness and courage because I think it's right and pursue it. And even when it doesn't always work out 100%, I have found that the Lord makes up for my bit. But he appreciates the fact that I stepped out in faith to do something and create something that wasn't there. No business is immune from what might happen in a downturn. But there is a certain sense here that if you're applying a biblical faith principle, as we've been talking about here, that might ensure you are perhaps even better prepared than your competition. Any thoughts here about what preparation or preparedness might be for the Christian believer, taking that wise approach and then having faith and courage? Yeah, I mean, for me, I like to have just a small amount of cash set aside. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of storing cash. I think it's, well, the government are just about to chew out 8% of it, right, just this year, so through their policy. So, um, you know, and the fact that they've printed so much means that if, you know, if you had 100 bucks pre-COVID, you've got whatever it is now, 82 or something in terms of buying power. <clears throat> so, so, but I like to just have a little bit, just enough um, to, you know, to give me that confidence that I can underwrite or fix an issue if it comes up. Um, apart from that, like I find that, um, that just, just stepping into something that takes courage actually makes me more spiritually aware because I have to get it to work, right? It, it takes no effort to stay comfortable. It, it, you know, it, it takes, it takes no faith. It takes no courage. But when actually you decide to, when everybody's saying, go this way, go, go the other way. In, for what happens for me is I become really spiritually aware. I'm, I'm trying to spot everything. I'm listening to the Lord in every second of the day because I really need it to work. And I think that's, 
that's just a practice, right? That there's nothing to really prepare for. It's literally just you can choose to stay comfortable or you can choose to get out of the boat and just go and get it done. Wes, when tough or uncertain times come, uh, it's all very well to focus on the business owner, and that's where we're really being uh, focusing in our conversation today. But in every business, there's likely to be staff, and they might see some tough times ahead, and they might be worried by all sorts of things, and you've got a certain level of faith, but they may not share that faith, or they may be sort of on a learning curve and understanding the way God does business and the way he brings blessing and uh, and uh, viability to business. What about staff? And as the boss... Uh, you're you're treating your staff in a certain way. You're, there's almost a pastoral care that you bring for people who are working for you as a Christian leader. Give us your insights here because sometimes you might be faced with tough decisions, downsizing, which means losing staff, and, and you could be hurting people in the process. Thoughts here? Yeah, and, and I think this is where Christian business gets actually the, the most joy for me is the team, is the team element. You know, I mean, the majority of my staff are not walking with the Lord, right? And so that is just, to me, the most wonderful opportunity that I get every single day. And I love being with my team and I love walking with them through life. To me, that's the greatest joy, right? The customers are actually second to the team. And and, and I guess the fruit of the business comes second to the team. It is basically my church, if you want to just... I don't want to try and make it a church, but it's like my little church that I get to minister to these guys, you know, for 50 hours a week. And and I absolutely love it. But you're right. Like there is, there is an element. And I think it just comes down to leadership now. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a leadership issue. If the team are leaving because they're scared, it's probably because the leader hasn't communicated anywhere near frequently enough on the things that matter. You know, for me and my team, we meet all the time. Like we have one-on-ones. I assure them that everything's okay. I would, I would sell. I would sell my greatest possessions before I ever let my team go to fund my business through through a tough time, because they are the thing that's going to make me all the money back when times turn around. So, um, so people is the currency of heaven. So we should be holding them, uh, you know, with a little bit more regard than than possibly anything else. But it's going to require uh, a lot more communication with the team. It's going to require a lot more assurance. And I don't think, I mean, there there is a time to be honest with the team and say it's really bad and we're going to go through a tough time and I want you guys to hang on. But they're few and far between. I think there's more time to actually, you know, be the one that cops the pressure without just letting that pressure leak out to everybody else, right? You know, I, a lot of people say to me, I just wish my team, you know, would, would wanted the business as much as I do. Well, they're not going to. They don't own it, right? They, you know, if if you want your team to shoulder the burden like you do, then give them equal shares in the business because that's the only way that it's fair. So for me, I don't expect them to, and I also want to shield my team from a lot of the pressure because I'm the one that chose the owner of the business. They chose working in it, and so and I find that that allows me then to just be their champion and help them win. And, and we do an awful lot of training and, and, and a lot of touch points and a lot of accountability and, and a lot of care and love and kindness amongst each other. And I find that that's just a great model for being able to put pressure on them when I need to, but also make them feel special enough to stay. 
When you set out in business, uh, you're often setting good goals. And maybe the goals that you set when you really just got underway, uh, you might be evaluating those yearly, you might be evaluating those monthly. All of a sudden, tough times are on the horizon. Do you reevaluate and downsize your goals according to tough times, or do you hold to your goals and anticipate that you're going to get through at the same level as you thought? What are your thoughts here for evaluating your goals? Very good, very good question. So for me, as I said at the top of the call, I'm doing backflips now at the at the thought of a recession because this is actually when I'll move faster. So when I created my goals. They were around, they were built around how many economic cycles that I'll have in my entrepreneurial life, right? So I started business at the age of 20 and I plan on doing business until I'm 120 or something. So and every 10 years. So I basically built my life around, okay, six or seven economic cycles, six good times and six crashes. And that's how I build it. And I, and I basically move during a recession to, to make the most gains. So, so the short answer is no, I'm not pairing back my goals. This, this is what I created them for were these times. But what I do do is I double the input. I double the input now. So whereas you might have been able to hit your goals really easily in a good time, rather than pare back my goals, I would rather double the effort to make sure I hit them in a recession than ever pare back my goals. That just feels like I've already kind of given up and waved the flag. How important is it seeing beyond the hard times that come? Because, uh, you know, it's like if you're going into recession, you can get this feeling that, all the recession's here for years. Well, it might not be years. It might be months. Seeing beyond the recession, the thought that even though there are tough times coming now, things are happening that might not benefit my business, or I might have to work extra hard, as you're saying, but looking to the other side as to what will happen when the economy picks up again and when people are spending money again. Uh, thoughts on the other side? Well, it, it always happens. It always happens. Like at the end of every recession is a bounce back. So um, so that's okay. Um, I guess, I mean, you're asking me the question um, and, and the way I think, I, I wouldn't want to assume everybody else does, but this is this is how it sits for me, Neil. I'm called for business. So it doesn't matter. This is how I view it. And the call for business is never going to leave. Products and services will come and go, but the Lord has asked me to build businesses to advance the kingdom. That does, so, so now that doesn't come with a yeah, but asterisk of only in the good times and not the bad times. So for me, I just know that there's going to be a lot more of these in my future. So why worry about this one? Right. This is one. This is one. You know, economic fall, fallout. But I'm going to have five more, and they'll be way worse than this one. So. So for me, I just signed up for a life of, um, you know, serving the Lord in the marketplace. And then it's come what may is the way I view it. Let me take you back to something we began to talk about early in our conversation. The thought that when hard times come, when there may be other players, competitors falling around you, uh, the thought that there might be an opportunity to take advantage of new opportunities, even undervalued assets, those sorts of uh, businesses or assets that are at fire sale prices, uh, the thought that you might have a different investment strategy that takes advantage of the opportunity. Uh, give us some encouragement here as to what to look for. I mean, some might be thinking, uh, this is a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, you know, you're talking about being a Christian. Shouldn't you be just nice and leave all of those undervalued assets alone? What are your thoughts here as a Christian when these things happen? 
I think anybody that feels that way should leave all the assets alone so that I can have even more of them. That's how I feel. Um, listen, the, the Lord's never going to prosper me at the expense of somebody else. And that's got to be the baseline of how we view um, like increase. He's never like he's never going to let me buy a, a, an investment property off somebody who's vulnerable, who just needs to get out, and I buy it at a really cheap price, and they're left financially stressed. That's not God's economy ever. He will never prosper one of his children at the expense of somebody else. That's just not him. That's not kingdom economy. Having said that, there are times when you can buy distressed assets and and you're not oppressing anybody in the transaction. Well, you know, for example, if banks were to foreclose on a real, real estate, they're big, they're ugly, they've got big shoulders, they can fund losses, they're insured. You can buy distressed assets through banks and you're not you're not oppressing anybody. Okay. So, you know, public trustee and those sort of things. So we've we just gotta always ask ourselves. We never want to. We never want to put somebody else at risk. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, two weeks ago, I purchased an investment property in South Australia in a little town called Wyala. Beautiful place. I actually quite like it. Mm. Some people don't, but I love it. Um, and and I purchased that because I found out that the owners uh, were having some marriage issues and they were separating. So for me, I'm like, I'll pay full asking price. Why? Because I could have got it cheaper, but then they would have had some sort of financial hardship, and they didn't need one more battle. And I knew that if I honor them, then the law will honor me. And I knew what I was going to do with this piece of real estate. So I didn't need to push them down a little bit more. So I bought it at full asking price over the phone, never noticed it and agreed a very easy term for them. And that's because my allegiance is not to that investment property. My allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And I think that's the difference. So, so making that available to everybody, sure, distressed assets, where do you go? It could be, it could be going to find some stocks, right? Some, some, some companies on the stock exchange that are currently undervalued. You, know, you read their prospectus, you think they're worth more than they are, and so you could buy. And so th- there'll be little stocks that are undervalued. There'll be real estate that's undervalued. You might have a competitor who, for whatever reason, just decides, this is it, I'm not writing this thing out. And then you can go to them and say, hey, I don't want to buy your business, but can I buy your database and your phone number? And I'll give you a small amount of money or whatever. Like, There's, there's going to be an awful lot of that across the economy. So the Christian principle we might think of here is rather than assume you're going in for the kill... As uh, you know, you might have in the sort of dog eat dog, uh, weaponized business world, uh, there is a certain level of integrity about you that does want the best for the person who has got that asset on sale at a lower than value, uh, market value price. Uh, you are, in fact, oftentimes helping that person because, yes, they've got debt to, uh, to pay down or however that works. You've got to be able to at least have some level of integrity when you are in the marketplace, but don't miss the opportunities when they are there. A hundred percent. You know, like um, you've got to treat other people how you want to be treated. And that's how I would like to be treated in that transaction. And, and, and I look at the big picture. Like I said just before, I'm called to do business for the rest of my life. So maybe I could have got that house $10,000, $20,000 cheaper, maybe. But, but I'm taking a big picture view of the supernatural of God backing me well, that's going to be more than any little gain I might have got on one deal. There is a golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that applies even in the business community when you are a Christian believer in business. Wes Hone is the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits. And for listeners, you might be thinking, when is another one of these summits coming up? I want to hear more of this sort of wisdom that I'm hearing from Wes Hone today. Well, the Kingdom Business Summit 
in Brisbane is coming up on the 28th, 29th and 30th of July at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre. Wes, I'm assuming there's still a seat or two available. Yes, there is. Okay, it's in South Brisbane. Uh, are there some more of these planned for around the country this year? No, but but what there is is you can join the live stream. So we're doing both in person in Brisbane or there is a live stream to attend. Two and a half days, practical business training focused on scaling your business and deepening your walk with the Lord. And some might be thinking, I'm interested in the business part, I'm not interested in the spiritual part. Actually, they go hand in hand, don't they? Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm just so practical about scaling businesses that you'll get enough just from that. So here's how you connect with Wes Hone. Two websites I'll give, one for Kingdom Business, which is kingdombusiness.com.au, And for those who are interested in that summit that's coming up at the end of July in Brisbane, kingdombusiness.global, kingdombusiness.global to be a part of that event. Uh, Wes Hone, always good getting your insights, uh, great wisdom, and uh, thanks so much for addressing all those scenarios. I was trying to put you on the spot there, and you handled everything just brilliantly. Kingdombusiness.com.au or kingdombusiness.global. Wes Hone, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. It's been great to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 